Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Building a stronger financial foundation? Good plan. Northwestern Mutual's Guide to Good Financial Planning can help you balance spending and saving, set goals, and start creating the life you want to be living. You'll learn how the tools in your financial plan reinforce each other to help you minimize taxes and offset potential risks. Grow your confidence by strengthening your finances today at northwesternmutual.com slash goodplan. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hi, everyone. This is Monica Reinagle, and you're listening to episode number 514 of the Nutrition Diva podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. We're celebrating 300 million downloads here at the Quick and Dirty Tips Network, and we want to hear from you. You can leave me a message at 443-961-6206 and let me know why you listen to the Nutrition Diva show. Or if something you learned from the show ended up making a positive difference in your life, I'd love to hear about that too. Your recording may be used in a future episode. Again, the number is 443-961-6206. I look forward to hearing from you. My guest today is Jonathan Baylor, author of a new book called The Setpoint Diet and the founder and CEO of Sane Solution. Before starting his own company, Jonathan also served as a senior program manager at Microsoft, where he helped create health and fitness-focused products like Nike Connect Training and Xbox Fitness. And we're so glad to have you on the show today, Jonathan. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Monica. So about five years ago in 2013, you wrote a book called The Calorie Myth. I remember reading that book when it came out, and your argument was that it's the quality of the calories that determines our weight more so than the quantity, and that as long as we eat the right foods and and make good choices, we can eat more and weigh less. In fact, I think that's the subtitle of that book. (laughs) So my first question for you is, what's new? What's changed about your approach or maybe the way you see things that made you want to write another book, this new book, The Set Point Diet? We were very, very pleased and humbled with the success of the calorie myth. And the only quote unquote problem was the feedback we got was essentially folks saying, hey, great, you've now disproven everything I thought I knew about eating and exercise, which I guess is good, but what do I do instead? So what is the solution to this calorie myth? And that's what we've been doing over the past five years. I have since uh, left Microsoft on on great terms. It's a wonderful place to work and started my own company to help develop solutions to help people to live in this new quality rather than quantity-focused way. And this new book, The Set Point Diet, is... We looked, we, we looked at the results and protocols followed by over 27,000 people within our program over the past five years to see what works best in reality based on this science. And that is from that has emerged the set point diet. So it is a refinement of uh, the high-level scientific principles described in the calorie myth. But more importantly, 
It's an optimization of them in terms of what works for real people in real life. And we've added entirely new dimensions such as mindset, habit formation, the emotional aspect of things like this. Because again, it's one thing to do research and write a book. It's a whole different thing to try to help people in real life. And that's what this book is all about. Yes, absolutely. Translating theory into reality is the key, right? So this concept of a set point is an interesting one. I think it's one that gets a lot of people's attention. It's sort of this idea that the body has a weight that it wants to be at. And somehow that weight always seems to be about 10 or 15 pounds higher than we would like it to be at. And then if we lose weight, this theory goes, the body fights to return to its previous weight. Unfortunately, it seems like when we gain weight, the body doesn't seem to mind that quite so much. But in the set point diet, you say that we can change that set point weight, that weight that our body wants to weigh by changing our diet. That's exactly right. And there is a a really interesting and important point here, which is, you know, for a lot of us, we have the experience you just described, which is it doesn't seem to, our body doesn't seem to mind if we want to gain weight, but it does seem to mind if we want to lose weight. And I don't know how many people know this, but my journey started with me hating and being disgusted with my body uh, in my youth and doing some really stupid and dangerous things to try to change it because I was grossly underweight. Mm. And I couldn't gain weight. I was eating 6,000 calories per day and doing everything short of taking anabolic steroids in an effort to gain weight, and I couldn't. And now I have a five-month-old daughter who we've had a uh, you know, very scary situation where she can't gain weight. And you know, in what the research I've seen and what we present in this book, I have a low set point. My daughter has a low set point. There are naturally thin people in the world. And it's really interesting to think about this from a research perspective because what is happening within the bodies and brains of naturally thin people that cause them to be naturally thin? And how is that different from everyone else? And is there anything we can learn from that to help stem the tide against the tragic diabetes and obesity epidemics that are taking place? Well, you know, you make a good point that there is a lot of uh, individual variation. And although our society seems to be dominated by people who struggle to lose weight, there are also people who struggle to to gain weight or to, um, you know, to get their weight up to a healthy weight. So that, you know, there's a spectrum there. But certainly a lot of the people listening here um, are feeling like, oh, I wish I had a low set point. And I I have to admit, I, I think that sometimes when we talk about this set point as a primarily internal thermostat, we might overlook something important. I think that, and I'd be interested to hear what your point of view on this is, but I suspect that for a lot of us, that set point is at least partially due to our environment, the way our homes and workplaces and schedules are set up and the degree to which they encourage us to overeat or maybe to be sedentary. So we can lose a bunch of weight on a short-term diet, but if we don't change in a really permanent way, the way that our homes and workplaces and schedules are set up, that environment, once we return to it, is going to exert a lot of pressure to revert to previous habits and therefore to revert to our previous weight. In other words, I'm not sure it's only what your body wants to weigh. It might in part be you know, what your friends want you to weigh, or maybe your spouse, or your commute, or your desk job, or even your favorite restaurant. That's a really powerful distinction, Monica, and I I never thought about it that way, but I I see what you're saying. And in some ways, what 
I describe in this book, which again is not my theory or my thinking, it is just me reporting the research from people who are way smarter than I am, <laughs> that you know, your body essentially has habits, meaning there's a a habitual level of inflammation in your brain or not. There is a habitual level of certain hormones in your bloodstream or not. And there is a habitual or, or typical uh, ratio of bacteria in your gut. And unless you change that, you are going to be frustrated forever because your body, it, again, it has a way of doing things that it quote unquote wants to do based on the condition of your brain, gut, and hormones. And you can starve yourself as hard as you want, but that's sort of like trying to just not go to the bathroom. Your body will win eventually. And I think the same thing can be said about your external habits as well. There is a way of relating to yourself, a way of relating to others, a way of relating to your environment that unless that has its quality ratcheted up as well, is going to force you, quote unquote, into behaviors that even if you even if you make these internal changes to your brain, gut, and hormones, they will revert and the set point will rise once again. Right. So we really need to look at both sides of that, the internal and the external habits that we 100%. have. 100%. And it's really neat because we I actually spent some time filming a, a documentary uh, over at the Harvard Medical School recently. And I met with Professor John Rady, who is a phenomenal researcher in the field of how exercise impacts your psychology in addition to your physiology. And he mentioned a cutting edge study that they're doing in California right now on Medicare B patients, where they gave them questionnaires. And of course, this is correlation versus causation, but still interesting. And then they did a bunch of quantitative analysis and said, you know, what is the how many points do you get in terms of life quality and quantity for eating healthfully? And how many points do you get for, for exercising? And they found that if you took the power, quote unquote, of healthy eating and proper exercise and combined them, that did not, in their study, have as positive an effect as the perception that you are socially supported and connected. Hmm. Wow. That's amazing. So that just speaks to, again, the, the tremendous multifaceted yeah. <laughs> approach that you know, I'm really excited to cover in this book because it's so much more than just eat healthy food. And it's, it's so much more than eat less and exercise more, period. The longer I do this, the more I am, uh, dare I say, disgusted by the fact that people are still told, just eat less and exercise more. I mean, that, that would be analogous to a depressed person walking into a psychiatrist's office. Again, they have clinical depression, a measurable condition in their brain. And the psychiatrist says, well, you know, just frown less and smile more. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Might help a little, but it probably won't get you all the way there. <laughs> exactly. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and... Producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly... Patients who can see. 
Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Today's episode is supported by Vegamore, a line of hair care products specifically formulated to promote thicker, fuller, longer looking hair. Results from double-blind tests among real users showed meaningful differences in the amount of shedding, volume, and density. Now, when it comes to seeing results like this, the key is consistency. For best results, you want to use these products as directed for at least three months, and their monthly subscription makes that easy. It means you never run low, and plus, you save more. I've been using the products for a couple of weeks now, so it's still a little too soon to see the full impact, especially of the Grow Serum, but I love the way the shampoo and the conditioner smell, and I gotta say, my hair is looking healthy and bouncy. So elevate your hair wellness routine this year with Vegamore. For a limited time, get 20% off your first subscription order by going to vegamore.com slash diva and use the code diva at checkout. That's V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R.com slash diva and the code diva to save 20% on your first order. So I have to ask you this, the subtitle of the of your new book, The Set Point Diet, is the 21-day program to permanently change what your body wants to weigh. But of course, knowing you, I can't believe this is meant to be a temporary intervention, but a permanent way of life, right? That's exactly right. What we were asked for in just like ferociously by people was, look, I am suffering hard. Like this is the worst part of my life. I am ashamed. I'm sad. I have low energy. I don't want to leave my house. People are mocking me. Like Every second of every day of my life is compromised, period, by the way I feel and the way people treat me because of how I look. This is a severe disease now uh, diagnosed by the American Medical Association, aka recognize obesity as a disease, not a character flaw. So what we wanted to do was to say, look, for 21 days, I want you to pretend like you just had heart surgery. And your number one priority for 21 days is to heal as deeply as possible. That's what this book provides is a 21-day protocol to say, look, for 21 days, I want you to put your healing as priority freaking number one because we're trying to overcome a disease here. Now, of course, on day 22 and for the next 21 years, you're going to have a baseline level of change that, of course, has to be maintained. But what we see with this strong 21-day intervention is people see and feel, more importantly, such progress that the motivation to keep this up is huge. And they experience things like taste changes, Mm -hmm. which make keeping it up so much easier because they've actually given their brain a a chance to rewire a little bit. So they have a little bit more control over cravings and over appetite. So that then continuing this long-term, thanks to that 21-day quick start, uh, becomes so much more feasible. Okay, Jonathan, a lot of your focus in both the calorie myth and now in the set point diet seems to be about eating foods that are going to fill you up and keep you satisfied. And this is something that my listeners have certainly heard from me. Foods that are higher in fiber and water help make you feel fuller in your stomach. And eating foods that are higher in protein and lower in sugar can help keep you from getting hungry again so quickly. And surely controlling hunger is going to be a big part of managing your weight and learning how to choose those foods that do help you control your appetite. 
And I often see it suggested that if you just stick to these naturally filling foods, the portion control kind of takes care of itself. You can eat as much as you want because your body will tell you when you've had enough. But of course, that assumes that we only eat when we are hungry. How do we deal with the fact that the urge to eat often has very little to do with actual physiological hunger? Because what I see is that when you're eating to fill a hunger that has nothing to do with food, it's possible to overeat even when you're eating whole nutrient-dense foods. When we're using food as a essentially a drug. I mean, let's be transparent here, right? My father is a drug and addictions counselor. My sister is a drug and addictions counselor. And people, some people reach for alcohol. Some people reach for heroin. And some people reach for sugar. And some people reach for sex. And we, the list goes on and on and on. But when we are eating to quell or alter uh, an emotion, that is certainly a whole different ball game than if we're just eating because we're a professional athlete and we're fueling the machine. And that's exactly why, Monica, for, for instance, in the calorie myth, we don't talk about psychology at all, period. It's like, this is science, robot voice. Not that that's bad. I mean, it's good to get all on the same page about the science. But in this book, we have an entire section called Love Yourself Slim, which far from being woo-woo, is about the proven research about addiction, about cravings, about the impact of stress and shame and habits and emotions on behavioral patterns. And unless we get, again, to the underlying cause of how you see yourself, how you see food, and and address that perception, this, again, is going to be an uphill battle. Actually, I'm glad you mentioned that because that is absolutely my favorite part of the book, the chapter that's called Love Yourself Slim. And I think you just make so many really important points about how hard it is to exercise self-care and even take on a self-improvement project when you're swimming in this toxic soup of self-loathing. As my friend Rebecca Scritchfield likes to say, you can't hate yourself healthy. (laughs) And I've seen people falling into a trap where we think we need to lose weight in order to love ourselves. And I think what you're pointing out here is that in reality, we need to love ourselves in order to lose weight in a real and sustainable way. That is exactly right. There is no body appearance that will make you happy. The only thing, and I've seen this tens of thousands of times, that can make you happy is you today, right now, recognizing how brilliant and miraculous you are, period. Because once you get that, like once you get that you are of the highest quality, like truly get that, the desire, the craving to only allow high quality things into your body and mind becomes almost effortless. I mean, if you look at, I mean, when we think of diet, we think of things like the keto diet or the paleo diet. But you know, kosher is a diet. Halal is a quote unquote diet. And and a halal individual isn't like, oh my gosh, I really want bacon. I try so hard every day. And sometimes I cheat and eat all this bacon. Like they have a deeper belief about what pork means. And because of that, they eat in a way effortlessly, dare I say, that most people might find challenging. So getting that, getting down to the why, the perception, the belief structure, that is, is so ignored again by eat less, move more. 
I agree. I agree. And and this idea that we don't start becoming worthy and worth taking care of until we have achieved some arbitrary, you know, benchmark of of weight that really has to come first and not last. That's exactly right. And there's an interesting uh, dynamic here, which is, for instance, if an individual is carrying around, let's say, 50 excess pounds of fat, we might say, hey, you, you know, the, the sort of body image movement and loving your body as it is. And look, I support that 100,000%. Because like, if you have cancer, you're not, to hate yourself for having cancer or to say that I'm bad or ashamed of having cancer, we would think doesn't even make sense. And when you look at the underlying causes of excess adipose tissue, brain inflammation, hormonal dysregulation, gut dysbiosis, and you treat this with the respect and compassion that a disease deserves, the idea of feeling shame or guilt because your body is storing excess adipose tissue because of a disease is, 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 is not fair or reasonable. So please love your body and then, and with that, love it so much that you give it and treat it with what it deserves because I swear you deserve better than what 90% of us are experiencing. Well, I want to thank you so much, Jonathan, for taking time out of what I'm sure is a very busy book promotion schedule to to join me on the podcast. And I want to let our listeners know where they can find the new book. It's called The Set Point Diet, and you will find it at your local or online bookseller. And you can connect with Jonathan on his website at jonathanbaylor.com. And actually, if you'd like to hear a little bit more of our conversation about what goes into a healthy mind, body, and lifestyle, I'm actually a guest on Jonathan's podcast this week, The Sane Show, which you can find wherever you listen to podcasts. We have links to all of this stuff in our show notes, which as always are at nutritiondiva.quickanddirtytips.com. And we would love to include you in this conversation as well. So if you have comments or questions, you'll find me and Jonathan on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at Nutrition Diva. Jonathan, you are Sane Solution, I think, on Facebook and Jonathan Baylor on Twitter, if I got that right. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed our conversation. And listeners, I also wanted to let you know that I'm doing another 30-day nutrition upgrade. It starts in just a few weeks. This is a fun and flexible group challenge that can help you improve your eating habits and your nutrition in a way that lasts a lot longer than 30 days. You can get more information and sign up at nutritionovereasy.com slash upgrade. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Building a stronger financial foundation? Good plan. Northwestern Mutual's Guide to Good Financial Planning can help you balance spending and saving, set goals, and start creating the life you want to be living. You'll learn how the tools in your financial plan reinforce each other to help you minimize taxes and offset potential risks. Grow your confidence by strengthening your finances today at northwesternmutual.com slash good plan. The Northwestern Mutual Life Insurance Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin.